Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 282, coming at you on the 12th of October, 2022, and we're going to talk about, oh, my apologies, it's actually the 13th, (laughs) well, that's what happens when days blend together. So, before we get into the uh, bulk of the show here, I'm going to entitle it, Tulsi Jumped. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the other implications um, indirectly related to that. And might I kindly remind you, like, share, subscribe, and comment on this show. Put it on your social media. Help us out. We are quickly approaching 30K listens. And uh, that's going much faster than I anticipated. It's a great deal for us. All right. So on with the show. You may have noticed earlier in the week that the former presidential contender, Tulsi Gabbard, also former Congress lady, if you will, from the state of Hawaii, has left the Democrat Party. Basically called them a bunch of warmongering, uh, oligarchical, um, bad people. (laughs) I mean, I I won't go through it. I'm sure you've seen plenty of it. Um, It is what it is. I got to say, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm won't say I'm not happy, but the, the point is that even now, even now at best, she's a left libertarian and I'm okay with that. I think that's great. I think the more factionalism we get, the, uh, more breakouts and distinguishing groups, Uh, the better representation we will get long-term. When we're saddled with just an R or just a D, and then you've got the internal battles between the factions and groups within those two parties, we get stuck all the time with the lesser of evils. So, Ms. Gabbard has correctly pointed out that as a former military person, uh, she doesn't see the value in constant warmongering in, in starting battles and getting involved in wars that don't affect the United States that aren't a national security issue. I mean, if you listen to the national security people, every war, every conflict is a responsibility of the United States. And that's clearly not the case. There's no evidence to back that up. And it just astounds me that you have people this looking at you, Ben Shapiro, who call her an isolationist or refer to people that are not pro every other war down the street, isolationists. It's just a ridiculous commentary. You know, that was one of the slanders that was thrown at Dr. Paul, or let me back up. The great Ron Paul is that he was an isolationist when he was very open about the fact that he thought we should trade for with all, we should be involved in, you know, international diplomacy and various things, but no, we don't need to be having a war in every continent. We don't have to be bombing people that disagree with us. We don't have to throw sanctions at somebody that quote unquote misbehaves and sanctions in case you forgot are an act of war. Yet we constantly ignore that. We don't pay any attention to it. And honestly, it's, it's disturbing to me that those folks are labeled and called names when the very people 
that think we need to be fighting everybody else's battles and everybody else's wars around the world are the ones that are the cause of our problems. It, that That is the problem. And, now, and I've always said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on national or even international issues because the goal is to get people locally orientated, to get people to think about what's going on in their own backyard. So as I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days, what is a general application? What's going to make sense here at a local level? So here's what it is. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard was a Democrat. She was a Democrat because in her mind, it was closest to where her values lined up. Now, I know that she's got a lot of left progressive issues that she supports still. We have the same thing in the Republican Party. We've got a lot of progressives. Here's looking at you, Mitt Romney. But if you aren't able to break it out and you're not able to distinguish the differences and the different factions and give people a better variety of which to choose from in somebody that represents you, therein lies the rub. You're always having to settle. And it's largely by design. And how does that translate to the local level? Oh, I'm glad you asked. So even in our local state representative races, you can have several people running and they're fighting for the faction with the biggest plurality to pick up enough extra people to get that majority. And a lot of times that includes people from the other team jumping into that primary battle because they're choosing for us the less offensive representative. So, for instance, and I'm going to use an example that is not in my house district, but down in House District 70. So you had ostensibly a conservative you know, military guy running against an establishment um, moderate. Okay. Both come under the banner of being Republicans, at least nominally. And in the primary battle, it got to a runoff. It got to a situation to where the two battles were, or the two were battling for who was going to be the nominee. And, And there's all sorts of arguments behind that. Why, you know, it played out the way it did. But when you've got the other team, the Democrats, showing up and weighing in on a Republican primary, they're picking the least representative of the mainstream Republican thought for us. They're recreating what becomes the mainstream Republican thought. And I have no personal animosity towards either of those candidates. I have no dog in that hunt, if you will. And what's done is done. We have our, you know, Republican nominee. And as good Republicans, people are going to go out and vote for them as they should. But what if we had, I don't know, three or four different uh, parties that were running? What What if it broke down a little bit more? And one of those parties had to get a majority to go. So you would have, I don't know, particularly in Collin County, you might have the Libertarian Party, you might have the Progressive Party. And to be generous, let's say the 
Libertarian Party gets 20% of the vote in Collin County, and the progressives might get, uh, let's say, 10 to 15% of that. And that leaves the Democrats with 30%, maybe. So if you add all that up, you're now looking at 15, 20, and another 30. So you're looking at 65. So that leaves the Republicans at 35% as well. And then it's going to go to a runoff, right? So you've got your runoff election, and now you got to pick which is the better choice. Now, are the progressives going to maybe put the thumb on there or not? I don't know. But in the primaries, we certainly want our best, closest representation of what that party says they stand for. And if other parties can go and vote in the primary of a different party, that changes the outcome. But if they had their own party, if they had their own operation, you know, that's that's something to be considered. That That's something uh, that becomes more interesting. You know, a lot of uh, continental European countries work on a process where you get representatives based on the percentage of vote. I'm not sure that that's the way forward. I'm not sure that that's the best way to function here. But what we're doing now it's not really working for us. It's not really giving us good representation. Now, that's when you're dealing with parties. Now, let's translate that on down to the quote-unquote nonpartisan races, which we all know they're partisan. I mean, some people are better at faking it than others. And one of the neighboring towns here had a group of people that described themselves as partisans, but were very upset that the fact that the party wanted to get involved in a local, quote-unquote, nonpartisan race. They were they were repelled by that. In fact, I would imagine a good number of them actually worked against that action. Now, there's a number of reasons why that might be the case. You know, they're part of the establishment, and they don't want to have to explain some of their motives, some of their actions to the party as a whole that's getting involved. Or maybe it was they thought it was going to be upsetting the, you know, the balance of power. Or maybe it was just that they wanted to pretend that it was 1950 and they were still semi-rural and nobody really cared about what was going on out there. I, I don't really know what the motivation was. But I can assure you that even the quote-unquote nonpartisan races are highly partisan. And the people that scream the loudest about how it's supposed to be service over politics or it's supposed to be the... Uh, the position over principles. I mean, that's really what they're saying. Uh, I think they're lying to us. They're lying to us all. And we see this play out in a lot of these municipal races, the quote-unquote nonpartisan races. Everybody that gets involved in politics and gets involved in service has their set of principles that they operate out of. They, they, they have a mindset or a worldview which they're operating with and there's absolutely nothing wrong about that but when they hide it when they manipulate it when they quote unquote are non-partisan they're lying to us i don't really believe there's a majority anywhere that thinks that having a bunch of perverts dance in front of a bunch a bunch of primary aged or primary school aged children is a good idea I mean, there might be 10 or 15% of the population that's okay with that or thinks it's, you know, a positive good. Okay, that's fine. If you want to go do that to your kids, 
that's fine. But you should not be exposing that to a bunch of other kids. You should not be bringing that into the general public. I mean, if you want to mess your children up, that's your own business. And, and I mean, unless you're actually beating the kid, there's really nothing the state ought to be doing about it or the city or the county or whatever. But to be mentally messing up your kid is really not any better. But then to force it upon the general public is just not a good idea. Now, you're going to get some of these uh, officials that are going to say, well, you know, that's not really what's happening. They're, they're going to deflect, they're going to deny, and they're going to re, you know, assert that it's, you guys are crazy. They're going to call it conspiracy. But as we've seen in the last two years, conspiracy theory becomes conspiracy fact in as little as six months. <laughs> so I, I'm at a loss. You know, I, I have no doubt that, uh, Tulsi Gabbard is not happy in the Democrat party anymore. I think maybe, maybe she could be a libertarian. I, I don't think she would be comfortable in the, De or in the Republican party either, but maybe there's another option. I mean, there's a whole lot of people that are, you know, quite frankly, not comfortable with the Republican party. And there's a whole lot more people that are really upset and want nothing to do with the Democrat party. But where are they supposed to get their representation from? Where are they supposed to get their voices heard? And as I've demonstrated and brought to your attention multiple times in just the last few months, when you have a city or a school district or I guess in some cases even a county run by the idea that everything is consensus and we make all these decisions ahead of time and then just present it to you as a unified front... Because we allow for no dissension nor public discussion on these issues, that's not doing anybody any favors. The whole purpose of having a council that represents us is to have a discussion, an open discussion on these questions, these problems. People need to be heard, but they also need to feel as if they're being represented. And I'm going to delve into a touchy subject for a moment because, you know, I am the embodiment of all that is evil in America today, but I would imagine there's a very good reason why a certain percentage, be it uh, 12 to 13%, depending on what numbers you believe in, what city you live in, it might be as high as 30%. They feel that they can't be properly represented unless somebody looks like them or talks like them. Now, while I believe that has some merit as a complaint, and I think there's even some validity in the idea that somebody has to have a shared experience or a shared culture to properly understand where you're coming from, that's clearly not the case in many situations. I mean, you can have people that align on things theologically, politically, uh, on basic principles and even with a general worldview without having the same background or the same genetic makeup, if you will. So I think, I think that's kind of a Trojan horse. It's kind of a uh, distraction. 
And, and, you know, currently, particularly in Texas, we have a an entire group of people that have migrated here, some using proper procedures and some not. And for the most part, the majority of those folks that are coming here, they just want to be left alone. They, they just want to be able to succeed on their own merit. But, you know, the next generation or three generations in, they're going to start looking for their own representation. And I got to tell you, based upon my interactions, a lot of them also have a similar mindset that I can't be well represented unless I have somebody that's got a shared cultural background or looks like me or has a same primary language or similar primary language to me. And and I understand it. I'm sensitive to why that's important, but really, I mean, is that what it's come down to? I mean, and this is kind of the same across the board because we've got, I don't know, a certain, um, certain percentage now in Cowan County that has relocated from South Asia. Some are here permanently. A lot of them are here temporarily. And they're looking to be represented and protected. And I can't fault them for that. But the question is, what do they feel they need to be protected from? We have freedom of religion here, which is largely protected and established on both sides of the equation as we understand it. So what is the concern? Or is it about power? And and now as we, we're going to pivot, right? We're going to pivot out of the representation or the idea that I don't belong to this group or that group, but it always comes down to power. And again, this is a reoccurring theme in my podcast. It's going to come down to one of two things, power and money or money and power. And the two often feed uh, off of each other and are conjoined twins in many cases, right? The more money you have, the more power you have, the more power you have, the more money you can get. And again, the question is, how does this represent us? And how does it represent us well? So if you've got a group of people that are allegedly representing you, that are multimillionaires, and uh, doesn't even really matter where they got their money from in many cases, but if they're from the gentry and, and they don't connect and they don't understand the needs of the people around them or the desires of the people around them, how are they representing us well? How are they representing you well? I mean, in times past, you would have a prince or a duke or a king or whatever, and they were said to embody the will of their people. And the way you knew that is because if they didn't, if they were bad enough, they ended up dead. They were deposed. They were chased off. But now we're so gilded by law, we're so we're so papered over by rules that these people no longer have to worry about that. They don't fear that. And they say, well, you can, if you don't like it, you can replace me in election. But let's look at a lot of the elections. What percentage of incumbents are reelected? It's well north of 90%. And a lot of the general public is under the idea, well, the problem's not my guy, it's that other guy. Okay, maybe there's some truth to that. I mean, I live in Senate District 8 in Texas, and... I've had to say multiple times, this person is the most conservative person from Collin County. And I get pushback on occasion. I get people that want to argue. 
that's not really what my point is. My point is, is if you take our four or five representatives out of Collin County, this is the one that typically scores the best. So by that metric, he's the one that's most aligned with the conservative grassroots. But you know, when SDA expanded into the neighboring county, we picked up another state rep. In case you didn't know who that was, that's Brian Slayton. And he is light years ahead of what our current reps are as far as being a good, strong conservative. Is he perfect? No, nobody's perfect. Nobody's you. But as far as if you identify as a conservative Republican, we now have a rock star that is in our SD. By the way, he's up for re-election. And if you live in that district, you should be voting for Brian Slayton because, I mean, he's probably in the top two, maybe top three most conservative, best conservative representatives in the entirety of the Texas House. So you have an opportunity to send your rock star back. And if you don't, you're being very, very foolish. And, you know, is it any surprise that they were trying to take him out from the uh, establishment? They were trying to eliminate somebody that's going to come down there and not go along to get along. See, that same metric works at the state level that works at the county and the city and the school board level, right? The person that doesn't toe the line, the person that doesn't go along with what leadership wants is the problem, not leadership. I'm sorry. The whole purpose of leadership is you bring these people together, you sit down, you have discussions, you're open, you're frank about what needs to be done, how do you see it, and you work on a acceptable solution to the majority of the people present. But if you refuse to have those discussions, if you refuse to be open, if you refuse to give anything up of what you want in leadership, you're the problem. And this translates all the way down. So when you pay attention to what's going on and these people self-identify belonging to one party or another, when are we going to get to the point that, you know, a good number of other Democrats are going to follow the lead of Tulsi Gabbard and say, yeah, you know what? I'm just not comfortable identifying myself as a Democrat anymore. The sad thing is, is they really don't have anywhere to go. Now, the Republicans say, well, we'd be happy to have you here. This is great. But really, is it? Do we really want to pivot the Republican Party even further to the moderate wing? Do we really want to offset the gains what we've made hard fought over 20 years? I don't know. I don't know that that's what's best. I, I have my doubts that there's going to be a better outcome, that anything's going to change that's beneficial to the state of Texas. But I'll tell you, it's good that people get fed up. It's good that people say, I've taken all that I can have and I won't do it anymore. I'm going to go do something else. Now you would say that uh, they're going to become ineffectual. They're going to they're going to lose their star status. They're they're not going to have as much influence as they previously did, or they're going to be, you know, drifting off into the sunset. Well, I would suggest to you that it doesn't have to be that way. There needs to be a dissident group that functions. We already have a dissident right. Yeah, the grassroots conservatives. We should have a dissident left. The dissident left maybe could be made up of people that are largely progressive in nature, but they don't 
join in with the warmongers. They don't join in with the oligarch that seeks to control and run everybody's everyday life. They're not fans of, I don't know, (laughs) the World Economic Forum policies for the rest of us. Now, if there is a Achilles heel on uh, Miss Gabbard, it would probably be the fact that it's my understanding that she's been involved with the World Economic Forum and and that there's some connections that are mm, questionable. But I got to tell you, those people look for rising stars at a young age and they bring them in, they rope them in. And we need to encourage the people that have the strength of character to step out and to say, well, I'm not going to go along with this anymore. We need to encourage people to do that on a grand scale. Nobody's saying that she's perfect. Nobody's saying that anybody's perfect. What we are saying is we have to allow for difference of opinion. We have to allow for an open discussion. And when the gatekeeper, Benjamin Shapiro, comes out and says, well, that's all well and good, but, you know, because she doesn't want to have wars in every continent, clearly she's an isolationist. Really? Come on, Benji. Not everybody's a neocon like you, buddy. I got to say, I'm enthusiastic. I'll be even more enthusiastic when we see more of this. And I don't want the Democrats that left their party to come glom onto the Republican Party on the hopes that we're going to give them enough whatever to justify. No, I, I would like for them to start their own party. I would like for them to, uh, I don't know, consider maybe reclaiming the Democrat Party rather than leaving it. Consider something else. I mean, I, and I'm going to be honest, there are a large amount of progressive Republicans, rhinos, whatever you want to call them, that will probably leave the Republican Party. I don't see it as a problem that we have three major parties or four major parties. And I know right now the libertarians are like, yeah, we're tired of being kicked on the sidelines. We're, we're tired of being ignored. I hear you, brothers. I do. I mean, there are a lot of things that we could work together on and get done if we would just quit listening to the rhino leadership, if we would just quit selling our souls to the moderates to stay in power. Agreed. Right now, it's a Faustian bargain. We have to take what we can get to stay in power to prevent really bad things from happening. But why do those really bad things happen? Because we're getting sold out by everybody in charge. They want to keep their power. They want to keep their money. And they want to keep you down. And it's not the same way that certain segments of our society see as being kept down. No, 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 no. It's not necessarily being kept down. It's being kept out of power, being kept out of control. There's a difference between being kept down, meaning never successful, never being able to leave your neighborhood, never be able to make anything of yourself. No, no, they don't have an issue with that because they get their cut. They get their piece of the action from that. What it is is they just don't want you to get in that echelon of power. They don't want you to have any authority over others. They don't want you to be influential. You know, I got to say, and that's honestly one of the reasons why I do what I do. I don't know that I can win a race right now if I were to run for office. I don't know that I have the power or the money to pull off a successful election. Maybe that changes in a year. Maybe that changes in five. I don't know. But right now, right now, I think I speak on behalf of a lot of people. Right now, 
I think the alternative point of view, the alternative voice, the the ability to listen to other stuff needs to be brought to other people's attention. So I do it. I do it, one, for myself, because it makes me feel better. Two, for all the rest of the people out there that are feeling disaffected, disincluded, disempowered. I do it for you, too. Because you deserve to know that your point of view, your thought process, your worldview has value. It has merit. It's worth fighting for. You need to know that beyond the RD dichotomy, there are other versions of thought processes. There are other things that people think about and do. You need to know that other than the rhino leadership and the Democrat progressive powers, there are other options. You need to know that when you go to a city council meeting and they present you as you have choice A or choice B, that in fact there might be a C, D, E, or F, but you won't know about it because they've already shut out all other options. You need to know that when you go to a school board meeting that just because those seven people up there maybe play nice and come with a unified front, that there might in fact be different ideas or different options. In the city of McKinney... Our our ISD has one guy that dares to ask questions. One guy that doesn't go along to get along. And he pays the price all the time. And as long as I have breath in my voice, I'm going to bring that to your attention. As long as I have breath in my voice, I'm going to point out the hmm, rather egregious things that happen on our rubber stamp city council in the city of McKinney. And I want you to know, this is not unique to McKinney. It's not unique to Collin County. It happens all the time everywhere. So it doesn't matter if you're in my former hometown, for the purposes of those listening, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It doesn't matter if you were from Dallas, Texas. It doesn't matter if you're from Virginia Beach, Virginia. It doesn't matter if you're in Sacramento, California. There are more than two choices. Life is not an A-B. There are various things. That doesn't mean there's not a right and wrong. It just means that there are more than one thing that can be right. And there's more than one thing that's wrong in a lot of times. It just means that depending on what your worldview is, you might have a different set of values. You might choose to make a trade-off differently than somebody else wants to. But it does mean that you deserve to be heard. It does mean that you deserve to have your voice out there. And while you put on the local news, you put on the national news, you get the same tripe thrown back at you every night. If it's not a crisis, it's an outrage. But it doesn't fix anything. People don't want to work together let me rephrase that. The people in power don't want to work together to fix issues because if there's not issues for them to exploit, they don't get to stay in power. I know I've talked about this before, and this is going to be, I guess, the last point. Did you ever wonder why the Republicans who have been in power for 20 years and hold every office in the state of Texas have not done the conservative wish list? The grassroots desires. Why they're still not done. Just think about that. Why might that be? I've touched on it before, 
but I'm not going to do it today. What I would say is they can either give us what we want or we can remove them. And if we're not successful removing them, perhaps we need to consider removing ourselves. If Tulsi Gabbard can do it, why can't you? With that, this is According to Callus. This was episode 282 for a Thursday afternoon. And until next time, I'll see you on the other side.